councils of government. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. segment the the headlines in five minutes or less um there's a ton that has happened since our last episode because we've been on a little bit of a hiatus here so the first thing i wanted to mention was this article out of science magazine having sars-cov-2 once having sars-cov-2 once confers much greater immunity than a vaccine so again this is out of science magazine and they're showing that natural immunity offers considerably more of a shield against the Delta variant of the coronavirus than the two doses of the Pfizer vaccine, according to a large Israeli study. So I think that's very important to get out there. Um, Then we have surveillance news. Apple just declared war on your privacy. This is an article by Edward Snowden, and it's at his Substack. Then you have an article out of The Vigilant Citizen. The World Economic Forum posts yet another insane dystopian video. Um, Their video is extremely creepy, and I recommend checking out what what plans they have for the world. Um, Then you have some interesting news. So we have the the uh, 9-11 20-year anniversary coming up. And Spike Lee actually made a film for HBO about New York and 9-11. And his last episode was going to be about the conspiracy theories behind 9-11. And he interviewed architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth and a lot of surviving witnesses. And there was a huge outcry when the media saw the pre-run. So the media got a preview of it. And Spike Lee actually went in to re-edit that last episode to take out the conspiracies. So an unfortunate self-censorship there uh, because of pressure 
Um, but you have uh, th- this article out of the Daily Mail saying Spike Lee says he believes 9-11 conspiracy theories. So I recommend people check out uh, what he has to say. Um, then on top of that, you have killing for the sake of killing. Pilots leak Afghanistan footage showing deadly drone strikes against unarmed Afghans. That's out of Zero Hedge. More news out of Afghanistan that I'm sure we're going to get to as well um, on this. It says uh, billions spent on Af- Afghan army ultimately benefited the Taliban. So that's out of the AP News. Um, so they, they benefited by getting tons of weapons, ammo, helicopters, all kinds of stuff. Um, you have a doctor out of the UK investigated for simply having concerns about young people being given the vaccine. He's, she is actually being investigated, which is just unbelievable. Where's the free speech in that? Where's the science in that? Um, people are treating vaccines like some kind of gods that you're not allowed to, to question. And I think that's just unbelievable. You're allowed to question these things. They're not gods. They're not some religion or anything. Um, vaccines for, for young people, COVID vaccines have been shown to cause an increased risk in myocarditis, which is heart inflammation. And it says that right in the FDA insert for these COVID vaccines after the FDA approved Pfizer's vaccine. They put that in the insert, um, the, which the insert is also up on republicoftruth.com, along with all these articles, actually. Um, San Diego police are investigating a police officer's social media posts because he posted against taking the vaccines and against mask mandates and vaccine mandates. So I guess now um, you get investigated for that type of thing. Um, Delta Airlines is imposing a $200 monthly fine on unvaccinated employees. Uh, um, Kanye West, Chicago concert will not require vaccines or negative COVID tests. So good on you, Kanye, for standing up to all this crap. Um, You have uh, Montana becoming the first... U.S. state to ban vaccine requirements for employees. Um, I think that's awesome. Yes, as a libertarian, I still think that's awesome because I believe that the role of government, the only role of government is to protect liberty. So if they're protecting your rights, I think that is a good thing. Uh, but not many governments are doing that. They're actually, In fact, they're all doing, doing the opposite of that. Texas also banned vaccine requirements after Montana did. Um, then you have the fully vaccinated Texas Governor Abbott testing positive for COVID. Um, You have the Pfizer CEO predicting vaccine-resistant COVID-19 variant likely to emerge. So they're just fully um, admitting this stuff now. Uh, Israel's total COVID-19 cases surpassed 1 million amid resurgence. What's happening in Israel is just unbelievable. With They're highly vaccinated, but they also have a ton of cases. Um, So the last one that I'll mention here, there's a ton more, but my five minutes are up is ultra-vaxxed Israel's crisis is a dire warning to America. And that's out of the Daily Beast. So uh, that's it for my headlines. I want to throw it back to Scott. Thank you, Patrick. And before I throw it over to Lawson to give us a couple headlines and also talk about um, some things you might want to talk uh, respond to with yours, I do want to say really quick that Spike Lee uh, info you brought up was really interesting. And just really quick, they are trying to make it seem like questioning 9-11 is unethical insensitive and unpatriotic and that is as far from the truth as you can get it's not unpatriotic to ask questions and demand answers it's unpatriotic to silence those voices who are trying to find out what happened 
the questions in the 9-11 wouldn't end totally if, um, if this happened, but if the government did give us some simple answers, like showing us videos of the Pentagon being hit by a plane that they claim it was, there was 80 videos pointing in that direction and they can't show us one, or how Tower 7 fell, like, there would be less questions, I think. But uh, I just want to say in the future, we will definitely have several episodes on 9-11. So now that I have that out of the way, Mr. Law. Thanks for having me on. I uh, just wanted to counter, it's been, a little, it's been a little while since we've met, but I mean, it hasn't been that long. And you think about the stories that we were talking about last time with, you know, Haiti and Cuba being like, you know, one of our biggest topics. And I mean, those two stories have almost completely fallen out of the news. I mean, since then, um, you know, Haiti's had a pretty, another one of, another devastating earthquake. Um, the U.S. has actually pledged more aid to Haiti. Um, I'm not as against aid. Um, in the short term, as other people are, I'm against long-term aid to countries. Short-term aid, I think if your con- the country's been smacked down, I think it's okay to help out a little bit. But uh, we're also sending Marines to Haiti, so that's something to keep an eye on for maybe a possible escalation there. And then Cuba, um, the Cuban government has really cracked down on the Internet since the protests have happened. So, uh, again, those are two things I just wanted to kind of bring back up again since they've totally fallen off the news um, with Afghanistan for clear reasons, taking over the main headlines. Um, and just wanted to say, we mentioned it on this podcast, I believe Patrick Henry did, I don't know if it was last podcast or a couple podcasts ago about BlackRock. And ever since he's mentioned that, um, I've heard podcasts and I've seen a bunch of news stories on how BlackRock is like buying more residential property. So I feel like we kind of broke some news here on this podcast that was maybe not as widely known. And uh, BlackRock is, is buying a lot of like lower income properties and is upping the rents and it's just a concern because there's so little low-income housing in this country, and the fact that more and more of it is being taken over by a corporation instead of being able to be bought by people, I think it's a big concern. So just kind of wanted to touch on those. Um, just wanted to ask Patrick Henry real quick about the vaccine. I don't, I don't really talk about vaccines too much because I think people are kind of locked in on their views on it um, a lot. But just wanted to talk about like the mandates from states because in the beginning, like when COVID first approached like the liberals were all about the state mandates and then the conservatives were like no you that's unconstitutional for the governor to man, you know to mandate masks or whatever and now it seems like it's almost completely flip-flopping where the liberals like oh you can't say that you can't not have vaccines or, ma- or masks and the conservatives are doing the mandates so i just want to know your thoughts about that um i don't see conservatives mandating that people take vaccines I do see them protecting workers' rights more so than liberals. You would think you would think it'd be. Well, they're mandating. I guess I shouldn't say they're mandating against the businesses and people's choice in a way. I should say people's choice more the businesses' choice. Where it just it just seems honestly the one's right or wrong. I just I'm wondering. It's it's weird. Yeah, I don't call that a mandate. Um, I call that just protecting people's God-given rights. So you're born without a vaccine, so you can be mandated to take a vaccine. But um, to say that corporations and businesses can't force you to get one in order to work there, uh, I think that's a good thing that protects God-given rights. And I think that is one of the only roles of, of government. And it's been so flip-flop now where you have governments are taking on the role where all they can do is take away rights. And they don't protect rights at all. And uh, I think liberals, quote unquote, if you look up the term liberal, it actually means, you know, believing that everyone uh, has can make their own personal choices. Um, So these 
liberals aren't really liberals. They're kind of neoliberals where they're really authoritarians. And um, they believe that businesses should be able to... Basically, they believe businesses should be able to do what they want if they're on the side of that thing. Because then you look at New York City where New York City mandated that businesses have to check for vaccination for any customers to be able to get in. Um, which is just an un unbelievable breach on, on personal liberty. I mean, if I want to shop somewhere or patron, patron a restaurant, um, you know, why, why does that restaurant have to check for my vaccine status? This is it's all getting super creepy, super Orwellian. If you look at the big picture and where everything's headed, um, it's headed towards more and more like a scientific technocratic dictatorship. I, uh, so I want to be on the record saying the, the New York plan and that whole mandate um, and, like, vaccine passport, really, it's a vaccine passport to, like, do stuff in the city, I think is ridiculous. Um, you know, I'm actually, I, I inform, you know, I'm, I'm more pro-wearing masks than others on this podcast, but um, I, I think that cities like New York have gone too far. So, and the way that it would have to be enforced would be such an invasion of privacy that's completely ridiculous. And I'm glad that Bill de Blasio is leaving because I think he's a terrible mayor. <laughs> yeah, I agreed with both of you. Um, it is interesting, too, especially with the vaccine rights. Uh, I was, like I said, I didn't, we don't want to go into this too much, but I was speaking to somebody the other day who is not Patrick Henry, but another person who's religious and feels that, you know, it is your God-given right whether or not to get vaccinated and uh, spoke about how he got COVID um, and he assumed that he cured himself through prayer. And I'm not going to dispute that one way or the other, but um, it was his choice. You know, it's his choice. He lives alone. Um, you know, why, uh, why should he be forced into something like that, you know? Uh, that's neither here or there. We should get into the current event article uh, episode that we have planned for today. So I could go on talking with you guys about this all day long, but we have some other ones. So if it's okay with you guys, we want to lead off with Afghanistan, which has been, you know, obviously dominating the headlines for the last week or so. So I thought uh, to look at this in a couple of different ways, you know, the uh, Trump perspective, the Biden perspective, and then just what's also getting kind of reported in the news. So, but if we start with it, uh, I'll throw this open to whoever wants to go first. Uh, Trump has been very critical about Biden and blamed him on everything. I think he and some other people have called, called on him to resign in disgrace over how Afghanistan has been handled. I don't know if it's enough for him to do that, but at the same time, it has seemed like a debacle, especially with the other day we saw that suicide bomber, which killed, I think, 13 Americans and 60 Afghan uh, soldiers, uh, which is absolutely tragic, and you wonder how something like that happened. But uh, Trump has also said that abandoning the air bases and Afghanistan in general was a critical mistake and also opened up and scaring people about how China can now have more leverage or um, power in the area and what's going to happen in the future. So whoever wants to go first on Afghanistan, Mr. Patrick Henry. Yeah, I'm not going to throw my opinion out there yet. I just want to summarize in case someone's listening and they're not as informed. I mean, obviously us three are very heavily informed, but someone might not know exactly what's going on. So, and correct me if I screw something up here, but basically Biden wanted to stick to the promises from the previous president and basically, uh, basically public opinion, and that is pull the troops out of Afghanistan. So he, he essentially did that. And 
what was supposed to happen was the Afghan army was supposed to be able to defend their own country at that point and um, keep the leadership. But they basically imploded within like, I don't know, 48 hours. And after they imploded, the, the Taliban took over, which is another group that, you know, they're, they're not the same as Al-Qaeda and ISIS. I think people get it all confused. The Taliban is a group that claims to have legitimate governance over Afghanistan. So they took over. Um, we still tried to get our troops out as some Afghans clung to the plane while it was leaving and actually fell off the plane. And there's some horrible images there. Um, and so it became a, uh, a public disaster for Biden. And on top of that, then you had a, um, a alleged terrorist attack from ISIS, which I guess is, is back again. They took a break because of COVID, you know, they were, they were very concerned about COVID evidently the last couple of years. So they're back now and they did a suicide bomb, which killed, I think, 12 or 13 U.S. troops. And um, it's just another uh, horrible look for Biden. But anyways, opinion-wise, whoever wants to go now, maybe Lawson. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to say about Afghanistan. I'm, I mean, it's I'm glad that we're leaving. That's really the overall feeling I have. And I think the country, like you mentioned earlier, I think it was like 70% or over 70% of the country was happy with Trump's decision to um, make a peace agreement with the Taliban and get out of there. Um, at the time, I mean, Trump went to a, as a CPAC or the conservative, uh, the conservative, the big conservative party they have every year. They celebrate the Republican Party. Um, and he went and like he talked about it and was, and was like, this is a great thing and it's time to get out and people applauded him. And uh, that sentiment from the right, I feel like, has shifted quite a bit. Um, but the way Biden has handled it, I mean, it's clear that he didn't plan for the, the Afghan army to get defeated so quickly, uh, which he, that really should have been more of a contingency plan. Um, I mean, it's been known for a long time that that army wasn't, a, well, I mean, they were up to the task. I mean, it's they, they weren't really that skilled unless you had U.S. air power behind them and you had, you know, U.S. Um, personnel with them kind of helping guide them and give, you know, give them expertise. Uh, so the fact that once the U.S. just pulled out everything, they just weren't ready. I mean, they, you know, having U.S. air power behind you is a huge advantage. That's a, you know, that's a huge backstop to rely on. So you take that away... And they're going to crumble. And I completely agree. Some people have been saying that the number of Afghan troops has been completely exaggerated. That's 100%. Um, they mentioned like a ghost army. And I've heard that from people that have been in Afghanistan, that the Afghan army is not nearly as large as they say it is. Um, and that Afghan leaders would add more numbers to the list so they would get more pay and just basically pocket the money, which um, we can go into the corruption of the Afghan government in general. But, um, yeah, it's not saying this, but I'll, I'll toss it back to Scott for some. All right. Yeah. Thanks. A lot of things to go over there too. And I mean, I've seen different videos where, you know, there was like a, an instructor or somebody trying to train the Afghan army to do jumping jacks and they couldn't even do jumping jacks. They were trying to show them and they, they couldn't even follow those kind of simple, uh, uh, orders or, you know, examples or how, uh, I've heard other stories, how some of the Afghan soldiers, when they, U.S. soldiers try to get them to fire on uh, the Taliban or 
the militants in the area, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't fire on a fellow Afghanistan. And they would basically leave the U.S. soldiers out to dry and get shot themselves. And so the whole thing, and also, too, going back, I know, uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast before, but there was just something that came out maybe a year ago about how all the information we got from Afghanistan over the last 20 years was false, like all of it. There wasn't one true thing that ever came out about what was going on in Afghanistan. It was all lies and misinformation. And so I never believed anything that comes out of Afghanistan in general. Um, going back on the two, I do remember, you know, what, America going into Afghanistan in the first place. And this is back before I believe in conspiracy theories or that 9-11 was an inside job. I remember in ninth grade doing a report on, I we had different countries and we had to give economic reports on them and the history of them. And I got Afghanistan randomly and I remember reading how like, oh, Afghanistan has trillions of dollars of untapped resources. So that's a good thing. Now that America can go in there and, you know, get those resources and build back up the Afghanistan economy and pay it, you know, and, um, Obviously, you know, I think U.S. contractors went in there to get it. You know, if that's the reason they wanted to Afghanistan to begin with, who knows? But I do know that we said in an earlier episode how China is actively and aggressively taking over minerals, rare earth minerals around the world, and how they're going to have a much bigger scope and influence in Afghanistan going forward. And they're going to pour money in there to try to get those resources. So, uh, Mr. Uh, Lawson, raise his hand first. Sorry. Yeah, as, as Patrick Henry mentioned, you can jump in, Patrick. I mean, um, that's going to be the neocon. I think that's going to be the core of the neocon argument going forward as we pull our troops out of Afghanistan and other countries. It's going to be that as we pull out, you know, and I, I think this is, I mean, I don't know. It, I think there's a, there is some legitimacy to this argument. As the U.S. pulls back, um, you know, China is going to be moving into these countries. And the way China takes over these countries is not so much like boots on the ground and they're obviously not trying to promote democracy around the world or anything like that or, or even really nation build. Um, they're just they're just building roads, they're building mines, they're building ports. Um, Wadar Port in Pakistan, I mean, it's a port inside Pakistan that is operated by the Chinese government. I mean, it's a huge, huge port and a huge way for China to export goods. Um, so obviously, if you have a port operated by another country, it's that country's got a huge influence over you. And, um, you know, India tried to invest in Afghanistan because they wanted to um, add a little bit of pressure on Afghanistan, and, I mean, on Pakistan. So now they pulled out because, obviously, you know, Taliban's not going to be really happy to work with uh, India. So, yeah, I do think that China is going to have more of an influence. I don't think it's going to be, like I said, it's not going to be as many boots on the ground. It's going to be more of an economic influence. And they've worked with the Taliban before. So I don't think they're going to have a problem doing it again. Mr. Henry, if you'd like to respond. Yeah, there's, uh, there's just so much to get into with this, this war in Afghanistan. But I, this is out of the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, quote, the Brown University Cost of War Project just released an analysis showing, this is uh, published back in April, showing that the Afghanistan war has now cost the U.S. at least $2.261 trillion, roughly $16,000 per federal taxpayer. And then they have a breakdown a graphic. Uh, but the report notes that these costs are, if anything, an underestimate because the figures don't include the money we are obligated to pay in future healthcare costs for Afghanistan veterans, nor future interest payments on the money we borrowed to finance the conflict. Moreover, Brown reports on the human toll the conflict has taken. The analysis estimates that 241,000 people have lost their lives in the Afghanistan war, 
including 2,442 U.S. military service members, nearly 4,000 U.S. contractors, and more than 71,000 civilians. And once again, these figures are likely underestimates because they don't include indirect deaths due to hunger, disease, water shortages, and more that stem from damage done during the war. So um, this, these, these costs are, are astounding, and people forget them. It's easy to forget them with everything else that's happening, um, the, just how much of a waste it was because it amounted to absolutely nothing. The Afghan army caved within two days um, and allowed the Taliban to take over. So uh, I'm with senators like Tim Kaine, for example, who says um, that you know we, we stayed for a long time and now it is time to bring our troops home, maintaining humanitarian and diplomatic support for our partner nation and refocus American national security on the most pressing challenges we face, which I'm not sure exactly what he means by that, but I'm at least in agreement with him that we should have gotten out. And then a couple quick things I wanted to mention. Old articles. This is from 2015. Uh, this is all on uh, Republic of Truth, just in the archive links section. Um, One day after warning Russia of civilian casualties, the U.S. bombs a hospital in Afghanistan. That's from 2015. Uh, this one's pretty sick. It's out of the New York Times, and it's from 2015. The U.S. soldiers are told to ignore sexual abuse of boys by Afghan allies. So that's, uh, that's pretty sick. Um, and then uh, this last one is almost funny. Uh, it's out of Fox News. Colossal waste. Department of Defense slammed for $43 million U.S.-funded gas station in Afghanistan. So that... that right there shows you what a uh, unbelievable waste um you know what what could the taxpayers do with that what was it two 2.2 trillion what could the taxpayers do with that money in their pockets that's why i'm a firm believer that the individual knows how to spend their money much more than the government and the government saddles itself on the back of the taxpayers and just squanders it on absolute waste and the afghanistan is a perfect example the Afghanistan war. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, it'll be really interesting going forward here. Um, after all these kind of events happen, these like mon uh, monumental events in history, there always seem to be a lot of people coming out with books and there's going to be movies made of everything that goes on. And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, besides the people with agendas out there, because I'm sure a lot of the mili military commanders and generals and colonels in Afghanistan feel really betrayed and I, I've heard a lot of them give interviews about how uh, frustrated they were and upset they were and uh, everything that went that went on. And it'll be interesting to go through all that and see exactly what happened and get a real, as close to the truth, the truth that you can in Afghanistan. Because I'd like to know what happened. I would like to know in detail what happened with that country and how, like the Afghanistan president, when he, he escaped to the uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, uh, Air, you know, the UAE, um, and he says he didn't go out with 160-something million dollars, but then they have things where money was literally falling from his plane or his helicopter when he was escaping. So it'll be, I, I'd like to know the truth, and hopefully we can find out that someday. Uh, Mr. Lawson. Well, I mean, in, you know, end of 2001, 2002, I mean, the U.S. government and the military, I mean, along with the CIA and the Northern Alliance, which people remember, if people remember that, that was kind of like the group opposing the Taliban even before 9-11. That was already kind of like a set-up ally for the U.S., I mean, they took the country in also like a couple months. I mean, it was a very quick takeover. And 
Um, you know, there, a lot, you know, the Taliban didn't re- couldn't resist again U.S. air power, overwhelming. And I remember U.S. there was reports of U.S. generals saying like we ran out of targets within a few a short amount of time because there's just so little infrastructure and so little you know organized um, command over there. And then after you know there was the reports of the um, Bin Laden escape and you know the the you know I can't remember the name of the exact event over there. But there was like a big military escalation at the end. People escaped through tunnels into Pakistan. They weren't followed. And then the U.S. instead of you know maybe like leaving or you know scaling back, decided to nation build. And it's like so many of these countries, um, particularly in Asia um, and Africa, where they're not really like the popu- the population doesn't see themselves as we're like we're Afghanistan, like we're you know we're a united country. They care. I've talked to people who have come back. Um, from over there, and they say a lot of these people don't really care what happens in the next city over. Like it's really more about like their village, their town, you know, how their economy is doing, and you know, I think leaving will decrease some um, threat of terrorism, honestly, because you're not going to have young people that are going to blame the U.S. for the death of a parent or a relative or some sort of you know friend or something like that. So. Um, yeah, it's just, it was never a really meant to be a well-organized country. Um, it's more of a regional, I think you have to govern it more on a regional basis. Um, we'll see how the Taliban does in governing the country. I don't think it's going to last too long. I think there's going to be some sort of civil war or some sort of uprising that'll, you know, they might control, just like the U.S. did near the end, they controlled a few big cities, but then on the countryside, you know, it's, it's really whoever is the local leader and who has the trust of the people out there. Um, and then similar to Vietnam, um, where you know they set up the South Vietnamese government, and it was so corrupt and so inept uh, that people in South Vietnam didn't really believe in it and weren't really that you know like there was no feeling like oh let's support this government, let's protect this government because there were some people uh, there were some reports of people saying that like you know Afghan police would you know they, they had they had to bribe them to get anything done or you know they would arrest people for no reason and, and demand payments and so. Um, it's not like, I think people see it as like, you know, the Taliban is bad, which they obviously, you know, their, their ways on Sharia law, I think, are extreme. And then the Afghan government is good. And it's like, well, the Afghan government really isn't, it definitely was far from perfect. And I, I don't think it met the standards of the people over there. I think that's one of the reasons why it collapsed so quickly, honestly. Um, like you said, I think there'll be more that'll come out about it. But um, and as you mentioned, just Patrick Henry, the, uh, the amount of money we spent, and so much of it was wasted on corruption, um, you know, using money to please Afghan tribal leaders who then didn't follow up on the promises. Um, like I said, building a gas station. <laughs> and then, like, you know, they built... I, I had talked to people who were in Afghanistan and they came back and they said, like, the U.S. would build something over there and then the U.S. military would abandon it and the Afghan people would come in and kind of, like, ransack the building. And that's not to be insulting to them. That's just because, like, they didn't have the, the know-how and the, like... They didn't have the skills to run it because they were never taught. So instead of like training some of these people like how to use different, um, you know, to, to run a, to run different schools and run, a, you know, just run different buildings and operations, they did, the U.S. didn't. They tried to do it themselves, and they never actually taught the people how to run the things themselves. Uh, and there's like aircraft is that the Afghan military was never taught how to use, and it was just like they bought helicopters and they never trained these people how to use them. So. A lot of it, I think, was just was just waste and things that looked good in the military budget, but then when you looked on the ground, um, it just didn't work. So, definitely a lot of wasted money over there for sure. 
Right, and those are some great points. And that actually reminded me of something that came up uh, before, that where when we take over a country like Afghanistan or Iraq, we try to inform our style, our way of living and government into their countries in a, in, in a way that's so foreign to those people over there. They've never had anything like that before. They can't, you know, like why force something on that really even doesn't work for us onto them. And you see that kind of corruption. You see exactly like you said, like this corruption and the spending and, and how people can be bribed and do what they want and, and how you don't train the people over there to, you know, uh, operate what, what they have. Or like, and same thing in Iraq too, you know, just why not have um, like a prime minister or like a parliament or something like that? Why do we have to force them to have a president and, you know, or how we do it in Afghanistan too with a president again? Uh, like they had, they've had kings there before, and maybe you know that's not what we want installed, but maybe that's best for them. So, yeah, there there was definitely a huge, and I, I talked to people came back again. They said there's just it's just not a, there's just not the same kind of the cultures just aren't they're not connected, and you know, and this is again I'm not trying to insult the Afghan people, but it's just more short term thinking up there, um, because you know their their country is mostly in poverty. And, you know, there's not a huge life expectancy. So, like, again, if U.S. builds something, they're not looking at, like, oh, this is a long-term investment. They're looking at it, what can it do for me in the short term? And, you know, again, nothing nothing wrong with that from that perspective, but it's just a different perspective than we have, I think, in the U.S. on a lot of things. So um, I feel bad for those people. I feel like we, the U.S. is definitely going to end up, I know, like, we've gotten a lot of people out of Afghanistan, but I feel like in the end, I mean, there's already been reports of people being killed over there that were, you know, translators and assisted the U.S. military. So I feel really bad for them. I feel bad for, um, I guess, more of the, the the elite people and the girls who were trying to, you know, improve themselves. And, you know, that's that's going to all be destroyed. Um, so it's terrible ending, but I agree we had to get out of there. And I don't think we should have stayed there for, you know, I don't think we should have left a few thousand troops over there for another 10, 15 years. And there's going to be escalations like the bombing that happened recently where you have to, you have to escalate it back with troops and money, and so I actually think it's one of the best parts of Trump and Biden's foreign policies that we're getting out of there. I don't think Biden has executed it well at all, but I think it was a good idea overall. And that's actually a good segue into the last thing I want to bring up here in Afghanistan before we move on, and just get kind of a perspective here. So the media, for the most part, seems like they've been supporting Biden. You know, you still have Fox or uh, um, Newsweek, I believe, it might be a little bit more critical. But, or I'm sorry, not Newsweek, um, that other ultra-conservative uh, place. But uh, Newsweek claimed that it's not Biden's fault, but Trump's, because Biden has been cleaning up his mess. So this kind of, I just want to throw this open and get your guys' opinion. Could, would Trump have done anything different if he got reelected? And he had he originally set up the, uh, the timeline. You know, Biden said if they didn't get it after 20 years, they never were with the Afghan troops. And so is there, do we blame them? Was this, you know, some kind of, or was this like just inevitable that it was going to happen this way no matter what? Uh, Patrick, would you like to? Yeah, I think um, I think blaming Trump is just mind-blowingly. I, I don't understand how someone could do that. Um, and same for when people blame Biden. Uh, this is all George Bush's fault, and people forget that because it's been so long. But George Bush was an absolutely terrible president. Um, so many horrible things happened under his presidency. The loss of civil liberties um, at home and the wars abroad. Um, maybe it's just when I was growing up, 
uh, when, when all three of us were growing up, uh, Bush was the president. And it was really when we started getting politically involved. And it was just so angering what he did over there or what he did here and over there. And to see his lies, too, um, the mission accomplished uh, speech, uh, just, wow. Uh, when, when you think about Bush's presidency, it's, it's uh, in, insulting how bad it was. Um, Trump, I think, I, I do think Trump tried to... Um, get out of Afghanistan. I, I wish he would have actually done it. It was a lot of talk. Um, but to his credit, he had a deal with the Taliban that, um, you know, we, we would pull out, uh, I think it was May 1st, and the Taliban wouldn't kill any Americans. And um, the, the Taliban stuck to their side of that deal. We didn't pull out May 1st. We delayed it. Um, but uh, I think that it's worth it to try and make deals with other governments, no matter how much we don't like them, how much we don't like the way they do things. Um, it's better than uh, bombing a bunch of civilians and um, spending $2.2 trillion in uh, an absolute total wasted war. Um, and I want to mention that, um, uh, before I throw it over to, to Lawson, I want to mention that there's an article called The U.S. Government Lied for Two Decades About Afghanistan. It's by, uh, it's by Glenn Greenwald who's uh, a great journalist, and it's on Substack. And I recommend people read that. And then there's also a quick little um, article from a, a veteran, a woman who served over there, and her name's Laura Jadid, and it's on medium.com, and it's called Afghanistan Meant Nothing. And it contains a lot of cuss words, but she's very angry, um, you know, seeing fellow troops die over there for, for nothing, basically, nothing. And um, so, yeah, when, when it goes back to, to Scott's question, um, I don't like blaming really Biden or Trump. Um, I like blaming George Bush. And when it comes to Biden, I do think he could have done this in a much better way, maybe evacuating some important people before um, bringing the troops out so that they could get out safely before being blown up or stuck over there. Um, and... Then there's also another aspect of this um, that it almost seems like some of this stuff is contrived in order to look like, look, see, this is what happens when we don't stay involved overseas. This is what happens when we bring our troops home. Absolute chaos. And I think that the military industrial complex will find another war. And I think they'll find another war by the end of the year. But okay, I'll throw it over to uh, Lawson. It's funny you went straight to Bush because if, if I would have gotten that same uh, question from Scott, like I was going to go the same place. I think it's like, I mean, that's why I voted for, I mean, I, I, mean, I voted for Obama the first time um, because just, I think I was so pissed off at the Republican Party for, you know, Afghanistan and that they kept going. And then Iraq, obviously, which we're not even talking about, was even, in arguably more of a total disaster than Afghanistan. So it actually kind of pisses me off a little bit that people on the left are starting to, like, warm up to President Bush again. Like, oh, he paints pictures, and, like, you know, maybe he's not as bad as Trump. And I honestly think I would take a, a Trump presidency, um, despite the, I would say that the way it ended wasn't great, obviously. But I would, I would take a Trump presidency over George Bush, Bush's term um, with the two wars that he really, again, I, I think Afghanistan, okay, I mean, I think they should have left a lot sooner. And that Iraq was a complete disaster. And, uh, you know, I'll give my dad credit. He voted for Bush the first time. And I remember by 2004, 
he had switched because he couldn't believe how like awful these wars were. And I mean, it wasn't like people in this country weren't seeing it. I mean, I thought that, and like you said, the fact that these the generals I think painted a much rosier picture of what was going on over there than the facts on the ground. Um, so in addition to push out blame Obama too, because you know, I mean, he got us out of Iraq, which I'll give him some credit for. Um, but then he sort of doubled down in a way on Afghanistan. And, um, I mean, it obviously didn't work at all. So I think he deserves some, some blame for this as well. And, um, his foreign policy, honestly, was not fantastic. I thought it was, it was a lot, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, so yeah, so I would blame Obama's one. I'm sure Patrick Henry does too. <laughs> yeah, just on the flip side of that, um, the, the positive side of that is I want to give um, Ron Paul credit. He's been saying that this war was a sham from the start, and he's been really doing everything he can to try and bring the troops home. And actually, um, uh, when people started realizing what a waste this was, about last week, I think it was, yeah, last week, um, Ron Paul was right was trending on Twitter, that phrase, Ron Paul was right, because people were watching his old videos from 10 years ago, and he said, we're going to be stuck here 10 more years. And he was right. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Scott, we can go back to you. Yeah, this isn't, sorry, Ms. Lawson, I just wanted to jump in. This isn't like a new idea. I mean, again, I was talking, to, again, I was, I was in a situation where I was talking to people who, like, were in Afghanistan for a time and came back. And they were contractors. And, you know, it was their job to try and, you know, try and improve the situation there. And they were like, the morale of the unit that was working on well, the contractor morale, I think, was very, very low um, involved in Afghanistan. And this was 10 years ago. I mean, the guys are telling me it's it's almost like a lost cause 10 years ago. And these weren't like, you know, these weren't liberal people. These are people in the contracting military world that were saying, like, it's just a waste of time. Um, so I think it's been known for a long time. I, I mean, I thought really Obama should have gotten us out of there. Um, and... For Trump waiting all four years, I think is also kind of a mystery. Um, you know, it's almost like he passed the buck a little bit to Biden on this one. But um, yeah, I think, mean, like you said, George Bush, I mean, bears obviously the biggest responsibility for it. But but uh, Obama does too because you know it's just like Vietnam when you know when Nixon took over, like oh we have a plan to fix Vietnam, and you know Obama kind of did a similar thing, like oh we got a plan to fix Afghanistan, and they really did. They really had no coherent plan. So there's just a lot of similarities to Vietnam to me in that, you know, you had presidents that were just more rosy about the situation than it actually was, and you had the military-industrial complex kind of doubling down and making a ton of money off both of these events, and you had two corrupt governments that were propped up by the U.S. government, and as soon as the U.S. government left, they both collapsed uh, pretty quickly. So a lot of comparisons there for me. Yes, well said, both of you. Um, I'm sure we can continue with this topic, but I think we'd just be going around in circles, and I did want to bring up another one um, that has been not in the news as I think it should be. You know, I, I think this is something that's overlooked a lot in America, and that's Australia. And so on August 23rd, Australia's Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, uh, said he's ending the COVID zero policy approach. So the COVID zero policy was whatever it takes to stamp out every case of COVID, that COVID and no matter what it costs, we're going to do it. And it did, as uh, Patrick mentioned in his headlines, too, it's like our Orwellian in the thought process here of, of what they were going to do and, you know, relying on the science to, 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 to do this so that they can, quote unquote, save lives. But the 
videos and the things that we've seen from Australia and the people protesting against this now has been something that I, I think is shocking and, and should get more media attention in America that it's not. So basically, they're hoping that by the end of this year, 80% of the population of Australia will be vaccinated, even though COVID cases right now are on the rise. So they're, they're higher than ever in Australia as this is going on. And they said basically, you know, whatever, if the, if the hospitals can handle the COVID cases, then they can. But if not, basically the people that don't want to get vaccinated deserve to die is what I've taken from it. So this has been pretty shocking. And I think must be made more aware to America uh, and just how things can be going forward. So I was going to throw it over to Patrick if you wanted to respond on this first. Yeah, I think this is an extremely important topic. And thank you for bringing it up. Um, Australia is just the envy of all tyrants throughout all of history. Um, nobody's had it this this good, where you can't even go to a park. There's a news clip. Um, uh, I wish uh, I, w- I wish I could play it here, but there, there was a news clip that was uh, searching for someone because they went for a ride in their car. So they left their house, and the police were searching for them, and they actually questioned him when they found him, and he said he was. Uh, going to visit a friend and they acted like whole wow like you have because you have to be in what's called a bubble and you can allow one other person in your bubble but that you both have to register with the government and so um i know you mentioned that they said they're stopping the zero covid policy but um i think that's all talk it just keeps getting worse over there um this is this was posted yesterday from a news site in australia uh from september 13th New, uh, New South Wales, that's in, um, that's in uh, Australia, residents that are fully vaccinated will be given new freedoms. So, all right, I'm going to stop right there. The government doesn't give you freedoms. You're born with freedoms. The, gov- the government is supposed to be protecting those freedoms that you're born with. But anyways, I'll keep going. Residents of hotspots can leave home for one hour of recreation on top of their exercise hour, while people in other areas can meet five others outdoors. And then there's a nice little image of uh, New South Wales fully vaccinated freedom revealed. And uh, it's just like, wow, uh, this is what happens to, you know, this is what happens. In my opinion, this is what happens when you disarm the population. They disarmed Australians. They have very strict gun control now. And uh, these people can't fight back, nor do they seem like they really want to fight back. There's, there's some that are. Uh, there were some extreme protests going on, which is good. It's, a, it's about damn time. But, God, if it ever gets like that here, um, I'll be very ashamed of my fellow citizens for allowing it to get this bad. But luckily, it's not even close to being this bad. And then I just want to read a couple headlines. So this is uh, from ABC, the Australian ABC. Um is it, is it New South Wales or is it North South Wales? NSW. Anyways, Australia... Cust- What's that? New South Wales. New South Wales. Australia Customer Service Minister Victor Dominello has received diagnosis of Bell's palsy after television appearance. So that was really bizarre. He went on TV to talk about COVID, and people noticed that his face was drooping, the left side of his face, and um, they, they commented on it, and he actually got an official diagnosis that he has Bell's palsy. And he had just been vaccinated as well. So they didn't say that it was caused by the vaccine. But, I mean, weird things are happening in press conferences now with a nurse, a nurse passed out. 
Uh, another health official passed out in her press conference, and now we got some of Bell's palsy talking. Weird things are happening, and uh, I think that they're related to these uh, vaccines. Then you have a rescue dog shot dead um, by the New South Wales Council in Australia due to COVID restrictions. So they were so concerned that people might pick up dogs um, in the pounds and somehow get COVID or spread COVID that they just killed the dogs. Um, and uh, just in case people want to look that up, I mean, you could just Google it, but that's from smh.com.au. Um, then there's also police in Australia are tracking down a woman who had to escape hotel quarantine. That's out of Sky News. So this woman was forced into quarantine. She escaped. But she was perfectly fine, by the way, for this, you know, this, this horrible plague. Uh, she had, like, no symptoms and wanted to get out of this hotel, but the police had to find her and track her down like some criminal. I mean, these are people who, you know, who knows how good the, this woman is. She might have given to charity and served for charity, but, uh, oh, she escaped her hotel quarantine, so now she's uh, worse than a, a child molester. I mean, it's ridiculous what's happening in Australia, but uh, I'll let uh, uh, Lawson talk. Well, I'm not an Australian expert, I'll say that. I just know that um, my aunt lived there for some time, and she came back and did not like it at all, and thought the people were very weird up there, so I'll say that. Um, it is surprising how, like, you think of Australia, you think of, like, the rugged outback, and just, like, you know, an individual kind of, I don't know, kind of like an, almost like an old western kind of vibe to it in some respects. And they're surprisingly very liberal over there. Um, actually, I should say leftists more liberal. But like I said, classical liberals would not agree with the measures. Um, but yeah, that, it, it, everything, like, the entire time, I feel like Australia has taken, like, what the U.S. has done. Even when the U.S. had, like, lockdowns, I feel like Australia was, like, another level and just, like, not letting people leave certain areas and isolating the people. So I, I do agree. Again, I'm for more um, COVID restrictions than... Patrick Henry is, but again, Australia is like another example where they're just taking it way too far and, you know, locking down people in their homes for weeks. I mean, that's just, that's just not beneficial at all. And, um, I do think that, again, I remember during the Australian Open, um, the tennis players that had to go over there were like stuck in their hotel for two weeks, even though like, and they were being tested all the time. And it just, it just seems like way too much going on for that. But, um, I don't know if part of it is because I know, like, the Australian economy has been very successful this time. There's, they call it, like, the um, economic system, where basically in Australia, when the economy starts doing poorly, they just, like, have a stimulus, almost like we did, like, with Obama and, you know, and then, you know, these stimulus payments. Then when the economy is doing well, they actually cut spending, <laughs> unlike, our, unlike our presidents today. So I, I wonder if because their economic, if they, if they trust their government with their economy so much that that is why they just like, you know, conform to all these rules and regulations because it does seem like something that would never, would never fly here at all. Um, I don't think we're that. I, I, I just wonder. I, I don't know personally, but I wonder if they're if the people there trust if like polls show they trust their government much more than obviously people in the U.S. do because I mean people in this country don't trust their government at all, and I think people in Australia just seem like they're just like oh yeah we'll just go along with these lockdowns for the most part. Yeah, what's funny is that if you would have listed all the restrictions that Australia had, and then, you know, without naming the country, then asked me which country is doing this, I would have said, oh, China, without a second thought. I would think, of course, China's the one doing this to these people. Lawson, did you want to say something like you wanted to? Oh, yeah, I, I'm 100% right. I mean, it's something that, like, if China did something like that, I feel like the media would, like, 
in this country would really attack them. And because it's Australia, I feel like it's it's it was covered a little bit. I feel like how ridiculous some of their lockdowns were, but it's not being covered that much. I think honestly, even by the more right wing media that's opposed to uh, you know mandates and mass measures. Right, agreed. And I, I just want to say quickly before we start wrapping up here, I, I believe it was uh, um, Patrick Henry's uh, Republican's Truth uh, that posted the video of that one guy where he was in his uh, in an elevator that had a picture, like a video of him in his elevator, and he, he had COVID and he was leaving his apartment in a hotel. And they literally made, like, the news video on it made it seem like this guy had just murdered a kid and was trying to escape or something. Yes. It was, like, so... Yeah. It, uh, Patrick. Yes, that, that news clip was on Twitter. I re- retweeted it at Republic of Truth. And um, it was really unbelievable. They acted like that was a crime of the century. It was that same news clip that showed the other guy who went for the car trip, and he wasn't even sick. And then they're in that same video, they uh, were at a construction site, and some uh, poor guy got kicked off the job site without pay um, because he didn't have his vaccine credentials. This is an outdoor construction job site. And so they're actually checking your vaccine credentials just to, just to work. And he was kicked off. The, and by the way, he was kicked off by the government. Um, and also, they said he might even have a fine imposed. Um, so not only did he not get the money from that day, but there might have been an additional fine on top of that. And this is why people need to just think about the, the philosophy of like what government is supposed to be. Is this what government's supposed to be? Did people leave a what, what's called a state of nature? Did people leave this uh, no, no government state that would be actually the most natural that you're born with? And I'm not even for no government, but uh, would people leave that and form a government so that the government can then do this to them, force them in their homes without being able to leave, and you have to register anybody who comes over with the government? Of course not. The, people would form a government only if it's going to help make things better and especially protect their rights, protect their uh, God-given rights. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to tell people who are for that kind of government. Um, I don't think they can, I don't think their mind will ever be changed. I think that they just love authoritarianism for some reason. <laughs> and I think there's people like that throughout history who support uh, authoritarian governments, even though they get nothing out of it. And um, I don't know why. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why that is. I would think that, um, to me, the uh, liberty makes the most sense. You allow people to, to make their own decisions. And um, then, to throw in the conspiracy side of it, um, isn't it possible that governments are causing problems in order to then use those problems as a justification for getting more power and taking away freedom? People need to start thinking that way as well, um, like the false flag route. Um, I don't see why people don't think that way. I mean, there's false flags are a real thing that have happened throughout history. And it makes sense that governments would use certain events, even if they're not caused by government. It seems like government could use those events to gain more power. Um, just makes sense to me. And it seems like that's exactly what Australia is doing. So whether COVID was man-made or not, they're saying because of COVID, now government has total control over everything you do. I mean, what don't they control in Australia? <laughs> if they control whether or not you leave your house, what don't they control? Um, anyways, whoever wants to talk. Yeah, let's I'll throw it over to Lawson for your closing thoughts, and then we can uh, get over to your scoop of the week, too, if you'd like. I just want to say one thing about Afghanistan real quick. I just, I don't know, I wrote this down, I forgot to mention it, and it just 
it pissed me off at the time because I was I watch a lot of Fox News and I you know you know I'm not a big fan of Fox News um, but the day like when the people were falling Afghanistan people were falling off the plane and plunged to their death I was watching a Fox um, I, I guess when big events happen I like to watch I don't really watch CNN Fox MSNBC that much at all um, but certain like when there's big events I just kind of like to just get the vibe of what they're what they're talking about. And the fact that Fox pivoted so quickly to we should be concerned about all these immigrants coming over for Afghanistan while people were falling off planes to their death, I just was, I was like just mortified by it. And I remember hearing that on a few of the shows and I was like, I hope the liberal media actually picks up on this and blasts them for it, which they kind of did. But, uh, you know, I know people are like, oh, that was taken out of context. I watched those shows. That was not taken out of context. That was like, how can we make somehow Biden look even worse? And how can we somehow pivot this immediately back to our irrational fear over immigration? So I just thought that was disgusting. And um, I'm glad that, you know, in a way, it's like the concerns are blasting Biden for not, like, for messing up the evacuation. But if you don't want more Afghan immigrants, it's almost like you should be applauding how Biden has messed up the evacuation. I just thought that was just, I don't know, I just think it's just horrible the way, you know, their attitudes toward it. So I just want to get that off my chest. I was just, I was, like, angry watching it. I just, like, couldn't believe Again, you know, I can, I can have a conversation where they're concerned about millions of people coming in from Afghanistan. I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, I get maybe you have that conversation, you know, a week or two after this whole thing goes on. But to have it, like, basically on the same day when people are just, like, desperately trying to get out and get into this country and, and have a better life, um, a life, I just, I was just appalled by it. So, it's going to get up my chest. All right. Yeah, and, and I agree with you on that 100%. And I think uh, they've been blessing uh, Kamala Harris, too, about it when she won't talk about the immigration thing. Like, Fox News is trying to not make her out to be the villain with that. So it is very ironic. I agree. So thank you all out there, again, for listening to us. I'm sure we had more current event articles, but we can save those because uh, we uh, we will bring this up again, other topics and the like. So with that, I want to throw it over to Miss Blossom once again so we can give us our scoop of the, scoop of the week before we wrap it up. Okay, so again, I always have to transition from dark stories to um, my scoop, which is usually on the lighter side. So, um, as you know, I gave my MLB predictions a uh, while back, and I will go back and I will update you on what I did in those predictions. So, unlike other news outlets that just give their predictions and never follow up on it, I will let you know how I did overall. I will give my quick uh, NFL, just the ASC predictions, and there's some team names that I'm going to say are going to make the playoffs. I'm just going to feel weird sitting their names and making the playoffs. Just bear with me. So, AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills coming in first. The Miami Dolphins, I can't believe I'm this, making the wild card and making the playoffs, coming in second. Followed by the Patriots, and a distant, distant, distant last in that division will be the Jets. And then in the AFC West, I have the Chiefs winning the division pretty easily. Followed by the Chargers, who I think will also make the playoffs as a wild card. But there's three wild cards now in the NFL. Uh, followed by the Raiders, and I think the Broncos, I think people are overhyping the Broncos. I don't think they have any good quarterback play. So I think their team has a lot of good um, players like in different positions, but you got, you got a quarterback that's at least like better than like somewhat confident. So. Um, AFC North, I, mean, actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to pick the Cleveland Browns to win the AFC North. I can't, I can't believe I'm saying that again. They've been terrible in so many years. Um, Ravens, I have coming in second and also making the playoffs. Uh, followed by the Steelers and the consistently terrible lately, the Bengals. And then AFC South, I think it's the Titans, who I think are going to make the playoffs and are win the division are pretty good, um, followed by the Colts, 
again, quarterback issues there. Uh, Texans, Jags, both could be terrible, but I'll take the Texans to finish over the Jaguars. And I think Urban Meyer is going to have some regrets on taking over the Jaguars uh, this year. So those are my picks. Um, we'll see what happens. I'll give the NFC picks next week. Well said there, Lawson. I agree with you on almost everything, and I, I think it's going to be kind of hilarious to see how Urban Meyer does handle losing as much as he is as he's going to over there. Uh, he has had a very tough time losing in his career. The only things I disagree on with you a little bit is I actually think, shocker, the Patriots are going to beat out the Dolphins in the division, and I don't think the other team will make the playoffs. But I do agree with you the Bills will win it. I think the Titans are right on that. I think that the Raiders – I'm sorry, I think the Raiders will finish better – than the Chargers, in my opinion. And, uh, the, again, I agree with you on the Broncos. They are definitely overrated. The, I do disagree with you. I, I like the moves the Browns have made, but I still think the Ravens are going to win the division, and the Browns will make the playoffs through the wild card, and the Steelers will not finish. I think it's going to be a – they're going to blow the whole thing up halfway into the season. Ben Roethlisberger won't even finish the season with the Steelers, and they're going to blow that team up. But for the most part, besides that, I agree with you. Well, we got uh, fans football is starting, so uh, we'll see how – that goes as well, and we won't try and update. We're me and uh, Scott are actually in a couple of weeks together, so we won't try and update you too often on how our teams are doing because I think that no one likes to hear how everybody else's fancy teams are doing. But maybe once a while we'll update how things are going. Yeah, that's right. Especially if I win any games, because I think my overall record in fantasy football the last nine years has been about five and seventy-nine or something overall. Not very good. But thank you all out there. We had a fantastic show with Patrick and Mr. Lawson, and I uh, look forward to doing with you, this with you guys again soon. We do have some other main, uh, you know, theme topics coming up. Like I said, we are definitely going to do some 9/11 episodes too, which I think are going to be really important to get into. And it really isn't just because 9/11 is coming up, but you know, at, at this time, I, there's always so much information uh, going on at this time where they they try to make it seem like you're unpatriotic. We don't ask questions. You know, and I, I get like I said at the start of the episode, you're unpatriotic if you don't ask questions. So again, find us soon on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. Um, you can obviously on Spotify and other uh, podcast uh, channels. Uh, RD3 Productions at Yahoo.com, and we look forward to hearing from you about how we did and what we need to do differently or better in the future. So with all that said, Mr. Solomon Black, please play us out. Thirst trying to find an oasis Finally paying for all the time that I've wasted I said life is a race but I was driving mistakes See the truth will shine a light on all your lies if you face it And so that's why you might hate me At a party won't play this If I tried to be basic I would finally be famous I could be crowned for a favor I could be drowning in paper I could have all the kingdoms of the world I'm bound on the Satan Matthew 4, 9 if you doubt what I'm saying Matthew 6, 6 keep it down while I'm praying Revelation 1, 9